0: buddy, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and man, we've got a lot going on here. It is yet another installment of barely noted milestones for us here. We are just celebrating our second anniversary. We've been doing this podcast in one form or another for a little over two years now, so... That's nice. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sticking with us through this. Do we have anything special planned? Not particularly. I mean, I guess I could prepare something, but gosh, that seems like a lot of work. In other news, I finally got to see the movie Torque on the big screen. I suspect I have talked about it on this podcast before, but it bears repeating. The movie Torque is a fucking delight. If you are unfamiliar with the film Torque, Ice Cube's motorcycle racing movie, Familiarize yourself with it, it's a real goddamn treat. Adam Scott is in it, he plays an FBI agent, Fredo Starr from Onyx is in it, he plays Ice Cube's little brother, John Doe from X is in it. It's just a really fun, really stupid movie that is a personal favorite of mine, and I'd never seen it on the big screen, and I got to, so you should go see Torque. The other thing that I do want to bring up real quickly is from our corrections and omissions department. So, last week, continuing my vaguely antagonistic relationship with Australia for no particular reason, I honestly, I have no problem with Australia. I am fascinated by it and would love to visit one day, and we have a number of listeners in Australia who I value and treasure. But, last week I said something along the lines of, Australians don't get to be freaked out by American animals because your own animals are so wacky and bizarre. Largely, I do believe that is true. However, the specific example I cited was Australians don't get to be freaked out by possums because possums are North America's only marsupial and they're basically a gateway drug for you to learn to deal with our animals. Okay, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. First of all, everybody gets to be freaked out by possums. North American possums are truly terrifying. And... In response, a number of Australians sent me pictures of your possums versus our possums, and hands down, your possums are way better than our possums. I mean, you know, to be fair, elective surgery on a turbulent airplane is better than our possums, but your possums look like Gadget from Rescue Rangers, and our possums look like the ROUSs from The Princess Bride, so fair point, Australia. You win this round. Well done. I will say that Vegemite is a goddamn nightmare. It's like somebody decided, hey, what if peanut butter was made out of salty broccoli and tasted like hot garbage? But that's a struggle for another time. And again, I don't know why I am insistent on having a vaguely antagonistic relationship with Australia. I apologize. I am actually going to be featured on an Australian podcast this week. I was lucky enough to be interviewed by Lucas Brown for his wonderful podcast, The Math of You which will be coming out as you listen to this podcast. It should have just dropped, so you should go check that out. And, again, I'm sorry, Australia. You seem like a nice country. Hell, you got a whole continent. Good for you. And your possums are way better. So, there's that. Anyway, that got a lot ramblier than I was anticipating. So, without any further ado, let's do this. Today's Synopsis Rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. Doc Strange wears blue hose and the Hulk's pants are torn. Plus Namor and Valkyrie, long pants they do scorn. The Defenders hate trousers. To slacks they say stop this. Join our heroes, drop trow, and enjoy the synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks Brad. Defenders, number 15. September, 1974. Panic Beneath the Earth. Written by Len Wein drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Klaus Janssen. Defensive lineup. Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, The Incredible Hulk, Nighthawk, and Professor X. Nighthawk has recently joined the non-team, which gives Doctor Strange an excuse to engage in his favorite pastime, delivering the latest installment in his multi-part lecture series, Neat Things That I, Doctor Strange, Own. This week's lecture ends with Steve showing Nighthawk his Cauldron of the Cosmos, a super dope cosmic lava lamp that Steve stares at for hours while he meditates. Seems like there might be some of that strong Jamaican incense involved. Nighthawk, aka billionaire playboy Kyle Richmond, is appropriately impressed by Steve's dread and puissant lava lamp. But he would like everyone to notice that he owns nice things, too. Fortunately, Val is there to placate the petulant plutocrat by pointing out that she likes his fancy new outfit. Yeah, it's fine. I guess. I mean, doesn't have a beak and the hawk emblem on the chest doesn't appear to have crazy stretchy arms, but it's... It's fine. Kyle uses Val's lukewarm compliment as an opportunity to point out that his new outfit has a jetpack. So, that's something. It's no beak, but whatever. Val reminds everyone that she's quitting the Defenders to go on a journey of self-discovery which she initially announced to Steve back at the beginning of Defenders number 12. What? Look, in the 21 comic books featuring the Defenders we've covered so far, there have been roughly 347 resignations, and Val is the first ever to give notice, which she has now done twice. That is not how you quit the Defenders, Val! You threaten Steve, then you leap-slash-fly-off angrily vowing never to return, then you show back up in the next issue. Didn't you even read the employee handbook? Her one concern about leaving the gang is this. Where is she going to keep her magic flying horse, Aragorn? Wait a minute, Val. Where are you keeping him now? You're a guest in a co-worker's Greenwich Village apartment. Do you have your flying horse crashing on a trundle bed? Anyway, Kyle decides that, like all problems, Valkyrie's problem can be solved by throwing money at it, or perhaps more accurately, by telling your employee to throw your money at the problem for you. The Billionaire Bird Enthusiast calls his apparently exasperated assistant Pennysworth and instructs him to purchase a riding academy with private stabling facilities. Man, must be nice. While the do-gooding dilettante delegates dollar-distributing duties, Steve appears to be practicing his conversational skills to an empty section of his den. When Valkyrie and Kyle ask the seemingly soliloquizing sorcerer what gives, he explains that he is having a chat with his old buddy Professor Charles Xavier. Professor X is... Alright, I'm not going to explain you don't know who Professor X is. He's fucking Professor X. Steve uses his amulet to make Charlie's psychic projection visible to his cohorts. The professorial projection pleads for the Defender's assistance. It seems that some dire, world-threatening shit is going down at Carlsbad Caverns, and the X-Men are too busy not being popular enough in the early 70s to have new issues of their own series published right then to help out. So, Charlie figured he'd appeal to the super-secret superhero team that he's probably never heard of, seeing as all memory of their existence had been cleansed from the universe's memory. Makes sense. Steve agrees to meet the astrally-appearing academic's corporeal form at the entrance of the caverns in question. Steve then places a magical FaceTime call to the Hulk to meet up with them, and the Defenders are off to New Mexico. Val decides to stick with the team for this adventure, seeing as how the world needs saving and all. Valkyrie? The world is always going to need saving. That's what the job is. If you quit working at McDonald's, you don't stick around just because people keep ordering burgers. Got so much to learn about quitting teams. The gang meets up with Charlie X at the cave's mouth. Seems like now would be a pretty good time for the prof to fill them in on the nature of the threat they're about to thwart, but nah, they decide to start right in on the spelunking pre-exposition. Fair enough. The cave-cruising quintet of costumed crime fighters are almost immediately attacked by a cyclops. No, not that Cyclops. As I said, he's busy. The Cyclops that attacks our spelunking super team is a giant one-eyed orange monster. Oddly, our hero's respective powers seem to have no effect on the depth-perception deficient demon. Hmm. Charlie tells the defenders to chill out for a second. He's got this. The mutant mentoring Marvel concentrates, does that thing where he massages his temples to show that he's using his brain powers, and suddenly, the Cyclops disappears. Well. That means that the monster was only an illusion. Wait a minute. An illusion creator who is attacking Professor X? Oh, shit. That means, yep, crappy old X-Men villain, the Mastermind, is behind the attack. And he's not alone. The Mastermind is joined by the rest of his 1970s bad guy buddies, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is a team of, well, evil mutants. The subtly named supervillain squad's current roster consists of the aforementioned illusionist asshole and the mastermind, Unus, the untouchable, who has some kind of force field thing, The Blob, a speedo-clad gentleman of weaponized corpulence who cannot be moved, and Lorelei, a big-haired blonde lady who sings a song that mesmerizes people. So, that's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, and there is one more guy. Magneto, the master of motherfucking magnetism. No sooner does Charlie dispel the mastermind's monstrous illusions than Magneto sends out a mental blast that knocks all of the defenders unconscious. With magnets, I I guess. When our heroes regain consciousness, they find themselves trapped motionless in a magnetic field. Hmm, heroes motionless and at the mercy of their supervillain foe? Why, that can only mean it's exposition time. The malevolent Master of Magnetism addresses his captive audience and launches into a flashback about how he spent his summer vacation. Turns out that a little while ago, Magneto had a scuffle with the Avengers that didn't go so great for him. The Vision Judo chopped him, and then the Earth's mightiest heroes jammed him into a magic snow globe, which they stuffed into the Earth's molten core, where I guess magnets don't work or something. But then a comet passed by, which fucked with the Earth's magnetism for a second, and then magnets did work at the center of the Earth. Oh no! Magneto busted out of his terrarium prison and started tunneling up to freedom. On his way to the surface, the Ascending Archfiend happened to stumble across the ruins of an ancient civilization. So naturally, he went to their library, learned their language, read all of the books on world conquering. Finally, he stumbled across a book about how to make your own omnipotent super mutant to crush the human fools on the surface. Keen! Libraries are the best! Having found the information he needed to show us human scum what's what, the diabolical Dewey Decimal System Decipherer headed up to the surface and put the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants back together. Which we don't really get much of a montage for, which is a shame, because I like to picture Unus working in the lounge of a Ramada Inn playing with Murph and the Magic Tones, and then Magneto shows up and tells him to hop in the Magnet Mobile because he's putting the evil band back together. Ah well. Maybe next time Magneto gets stuck in a snow globe at the Earth's core. A boy can dream. Anyway, Once the exposition part is over, it's traditionally time for the supervillains to go into the other room for no apparent reason so that the heroes have a chance to escape. So that's just what Magneto and the Brotherhood do. Leaving the dumbest member of the team to stand guard and be outsmarted by the heroes is also an option, but between the Blob and Unus, it's kinda tough to pick who's the dumbest. So just to be safe, they all leave the room. Good call. Once their captors have left, the gang stumbles upon a plan to escape the magnetic field that imprisons them. And boy, oh boy, is it some nonsensical bullshit. See, since mental energy is essentially electrical in nature, if all of the gang concentrates real, real hard, then Charlie X can turn their thoughts into lightning, which can electrically demagnet the magnets that are holding them in place. Of course! So by that logic... Black Lightning is the world's most powerful telepath. And a master of magnetism. Cool. Once the defenders have successfully bullshit nonsense their way out of stasis, they pair off against the Brotherhood opponents. Hulk attacks the blob. At first it doesn't go well, but then he trips him and beats him up. Hooray! Val attacks Unus. At first it doesn't go well, but then Unus lets up his force field for a second and Val beats him up. Hooray! Steve attacks Mastermind. At first it doesn't go well, but then Steve makes his own illusions which distracts Mastermind, and Steve uses magic to beat him up. Hooray! Lorelei croons her creepy tune to immobilize Nighthawk and Charlie X, but Charlie manages to fight off Sonic Control long enough to flip a switch on Nighthawk's jetpack, which propels the befuddled billionaire bird boy into Lorelei, knocking her out. Hooray! things seem to be going pretty good for the good guys, but then there is a brilliant flash of light and Magneto yells, hey shut up dummies, that super mutant I learned how to make at the abandoned library I found in the cave is ready now, and you're all fucked. Uh Uh-oh. To be continued. Man, for a second, I gotta admit, I thought it was a little implausible that Magneto was, in the course of a few weeks, able to become literate enough in a completely alien language that he could follow complex scientific formulas and use them to complete theoretical experiments. But then I remembered, he's a master of magnetism. He can just use his magnets, which are analogous to electricity and therefore telepathic in nature, to read the book's minds. Obviously. Man. Magnets are the best. Ooh, and libraries. Magnets and libraries are the best. Dude, we could totally start a barbershop quartet. Hello. Hi. That's pretty good. Thanks. (laughs) All right. You ready? Yep. And joining us
1: once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? Pretty good. You know when you put a pen behind your ear for a while and then you feel like it's there but it's not there anymore? Yeah, phantom pen. I hate that. Oh. Oh. Otherwise, uh, doing well. How are you? I am well myself.
0: I'm sorry to hear about your debilitating battle with Phantom Pen. Phantom Pen ear?
1: It's, it's pretty much better now. Okay,
0: I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It's not going to distract you the whole podcast. We can only hope. All right. Well, what'd you think? Um, I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was fun, too. It was kind of a nothing issue it felt like did you get that impression
1: yeah and it also and this will surprise you but i feel like it kind of stretched the scientific credibility of the whole magneto story well okay a a little bit honestly
0: any magneto story does that and plus he got extra superpowers from going to a magic library that he found in the earth's core this is a pretty dope library yeah so how familiar with these members of the brotherhood of evil mutants were you
1: None. Not familiar. You were not familiar with any of them. You didn't know the Blob? Um, no, I didn't know the Blob.
0: Oh, he's one of the biggies. Were you familiar with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at all as an organization? I think I've heard you mention them. Okay, fair enough. But that's it. What did you think of them? (laughs) Pretty good bad guys. Pretty good bad guys. They Uh, were fun. Who was your favorite?
1: Well, you know, I thought that the guy with the name that sounds like the Untouchable Anus was a jerk. (laughs) Okay. Corey, to be fair, they are all jerks. He seems especially jerky. They're all pretty bad jerks.
0: I have a soft spot for Unis the Untouchable. I had honestly never thought that his name sounded like Anus until you mentioned that, and now I have difficulty thinking of anything else. (laughs) You're welcome. I was mostly just struck by that his descriptions of his powers sound like the warning you would get in the champagne room at a strip club. When he describes them as, no one can touch me, but I can touch you whenever I want. Oh, so like that's what the stripper would say to the patron. I think so. I think those are generally the rules. Yeah. And I like to think of Unis in that context. Mm. Also, I don't know if he's untouchable or if it's just like anybody who's wearing a full body red turtleneck. is
1: probably untouchable. That is his uniform? Looked like it. Didn't it look like it to you? I don't know. I read the black and white version. Oh, there he Yep. Look at that. Well, it's kind of a mock turtleneck. He doesn't really go all in, to be oh, fair. Well,
0: okay. He always cracks me up. He's one of those guys that like seems like he's got a pretty cool power, but he just never catches a break and never really caught on as a villain. But periodically, Marvel will just kind of try to make him work really kind of try to shoehorn him into the X-Men villains. Mm. He was one of their first villains, and they kept trying, but he really never got a go. He was brought back a little while later as a minor Power Man and Iron Fist villain. Mm. Poor fella, just can't catch a break. Or be touched. Can't touch this. Can't touch that anus. (laughs) What did you think of the rest of
1: the team? Of the bad guys? Yes. Let's see, there was him, there was the blob guy. Uh Uh-huh. What did you oh. think of the blob? At first, when I saw him depicted, I was like, ah, oh, they made a weird fat hulk. What? Yeah. How is he a fat hulk? Mm. I mean, he's fat, sure. That guy? Yeah. Well, because they looked like they had a similar haircut, and I couldn't tell that he wasn't green, because I was reading the the oh, uh, that's that's bl- right. black and white copy. Oh, okay. But, yeah. So. I guess
0: that makes sense. I guess without the, huh. I mean, his shorts are more intentional. Yeah, that's true.
1: He does have intentional He's got swords. like a, a
0: speedo instead of uh, mm-hmm. just like, ah, now my legs are big.
1: Yeah, but it's kind of a lame power that like you can just take a lot of punishment, I think.
0: And the whole idea behind him is that he's unmovable. And yeah, it's one of those powers that like he is sometimes portrayed as being very, very powerful in that regard. And sometimes he's just a real fat dude. Mm-hmm. What I liked about this issue is it really seemed to be... Hearkening to his days, part of his origin is he had used to work in a carnival. And I liked that. And I like that they seemed to be still hanging on to that at this point. By him calling everybody Rube,
1: yeah, which is, is a carny worker thing. Okay.
0: So I really like the phrase, hey Rube. Mm-hmm. And it was what you would say if, and when you were a carnival worker, like traditionally, like back in the 20s. And I think even before that was when it started. If a fight broke out between you and a local... You would say "Hey, Rube," and that would be a rallying call. That was like the code word that all of your fellow carnival workers would come to your aid Mm. and assist you in a fight. Mm. Um, And the fights actually became known as "Hey, Rubes." But the reason that you would say "Hey, Rube" is you would be talking about the person who you were fighting, and you would call them a Rube, which is short, I believe, for rustic
1: Reuben. Like just as a a general country bumpkin. Yeah, Hmm. uh, he was a real rustic Reuben. Whoa, that's a... Isn't that fun? That is a kind of fun alliteration there. Yeah. Um,
0: and I think that's a fun thing to, to call somebody. And I also like the idea that the carnies were calling the locals in towns that they were like, these unsophisticated pugs. Mm. Unlike us, Euryodite, Urbane, Carnival workers, Entertainers. Quite.
1: Mm. They're in showbiz.
0: Yeah. All right. But yeah, I thought that was fun and that actually made me like the blob better. Hmm. That he was, you know, using he was in carny talk. What That's was fun. his job
1: at the carnival? Just being. I a think he
0: was like, the, like probably, dude. yeah, he was the big guy. <laughs> Everybody, big guy. come see the big guy.
1: Hey,
0: he's fat. His shorts are intentional. Step mm. right up, just one thin dime, one tenth of a dollar. Step right up,
1: folks. One thin dime,
0: one tenth of a dollar. That's all it takes to
1: see this big guy. He's awfully big, and his shorts are quite intentional. It sounds like that's an old-timey money, though. So, like, today, how that much? That would probably be $100. Whoa, oh, that's too much to see a Corey, big guy. he's very
0: big, and he means those shorts
1: all the way. That's not my thing.
0: Hey, Rube! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that leaves us with Mastermind, the Master of Illusion. What'd you think of him? I thought he was a real jerk. He is a real jerk. He is canonically, even within the supervillain community, he is a real jerk and super creepy. And I hate him. Me too. That said, he, and we'll get to this later, does have a bit of dialogue that I appreciated. That is fair. And I suspect we may discuss his outfit later. But that outfit did remind me of something that strikes me incongruous about him given his power set. He's a master of illusion, yes? He can mm-hmm. create any illusion. They're very powerful, and they're very convincing, mm-hmm. right? Sure.
1: Why the fuck is he an uggo? Because yeah. he is a total uggo. Yeah, and so he could illusionize yeah, himself why not, to why not be, be a pretty, uh, pretty man? To, that's a fair question. Thank you.
0: Uh, what did you think of Lorelei?
1: Ooh. <laughs> Do you think like that's what that's, her beautiful that's, song that's, sounded pretty, like? I'm pretty sure that's what it sounded uh, like. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's just the whole ooh, thing. And everybody's like... Ah, now I love you. <laughs> what the hell? I will do what you say. Just keep singing that beautiful music. <laughs> Give us another little hit of that tune, Corey. Ooh. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, kind of like beautiful. Like if the Isley Brothers had a lady singer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah,
1: that's how I pictured it.
0: Right. So it's kind of weird. Like, you were saying when you were reading it earlier that you thought she was some kind of robot lady because Magneto talked about creating her.
1: Yeah, or... Uh, yeah, just like a conjuration of some sort or, or something. But then I went back and I reread it, and he said a, a mutant that he had... A mutant of his creation. Of his So creation. he
0: created her mutant power. He was able to instill it in her. She was a native of the Savage Land, which is the weird dinosaur wildlife preserve at the South Pole that exists in the Marvel Universe. Oh. It's where Kazar is from. Oh, and yeah. And Cebu. Okay. You know them. Sure, yeah. Yeah, your old buddies. Yeah, I remember those guys. So, yeah, there's... a. Uh, dinosaur national park at the south pole and magneto had a base there for a while mm. and he found her and i guess he kind of mutanted her up mm-hmm. and made her gave her the beautiful voice that you demonstrated for us mm-hmm. and much like your own mm. it can control people's minds <laughs> that's her deal okay um she doesn't really show up all that much she showed up in a I think, like, it was X-Men 60 or something like that, Mm -hmm. towards the end of the Silver Age kind of era. Then she went away, and then this is the first time she gets brought back,
1: and I don't think anything really comes of it for a while. She's pretty powerful, though, because she even gets Dr. X under her spell for a minute. Dr. X? I mean, he probably does have a doctorate in something. I keep always wanting to call him. Well... There is a lot
0: of crossover, I feel, in the characters of Professor X and Doctor Strange. Hmm. Like, I feel like they would either get along superbly or they would really butt heads with one another. In that they both seem to have a nearly weaponized level of privilege and attention. (laughs) And I feel like they could have an epic battle of being bad with people but thinking that they're good with people.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm much more familiar with, with Steve on, sure. on that. I read a fair amount of X Men comics as a kid, so I think a, a lot of that kind of washed over me. It's like, yeah, he's a badass dude, so. Yep, they, t- they he's say he's a good guy, runs so he's so. I, I feel like Professor X
0: has quite a bit of that going on for himself. But back to Steve. Dude has no sense of humor. Like, that is clearly the case always, but when Nighthawk is making his little jokes, first of all, there's a new defender showing up. So the rest of the Defenders are getting installment 19 in the multi-part lecture series of Cool Stuff That I Own by yep. Dr. Strange. Yep. And so he shows them the vortex that he keeps where he likes to chill.
1: hmm
0: And Nighthawk, who I kind of like this little aside, was like, Oh, cool. Where do you, where do you keep the pool table?
1: hmm
0: And Steve's just like, I'm afraid I don't have a pool table. I do have this magical vortex that I just showed you. hmm And Nighthawk's like, yeah, I was I was joking. No, Sorry. Was just kidding, wasn't man. wasn't a good yeah. joke. My bad. I think they cut the panel where Steve then responds by saying, Oh jokes. I like jokes. Ha 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 ha. Very funny, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I, I did think that was a fairly fun reaction. I liked Val saying you're just upset that nobody's complimented you on your nice new outfit yet. hmm Good for Val. Yep. Although what's not good for Val? Hmm. She is often, in the past few issues, making the claim and the assumption that Dragon Fang can slice through anything.
1: hmm
0: Once again in this issue, there's a couple of things that she tries to slice through that immediately are like, oh, no, can't slice through that, can't slice through that. Mm-hmm. She has sliced through one thing with that sword. Steam it is roller. a steamroller. Yeah. Everything else she has tried to slice through has failed, and yet she is sticking with the assertion that it is a magic blade that can slice through anything. I would,
1: too, if I cut a steamroller in half, though. Yeah. Maybe it's only for cutting steamrollers in half. Well, so what is this issue? Illusion she couldn't cut? And she uh, couldn't cut the illusion. Unus. And she couldn't cut Unus. There, I said it the right way. Good job, Corey. I'm very
0: proud of you. Uh huh. Yeah, which I mean, there are good reasons why she couldn't cut through those things, but still, I feel like they have not done a good job establishing the sword's prowess. In that, it is now the fourth issue I believe that it has appeared in, and there is one thing that it has sliced through, and like five things that it has failed
1: to slice through. I wonder if she'll bring that up with Doctor Strange later. She'll be like, "Uh, Steve, you got a minute? <laughs> this sword. Um, okay, thanks." Awesome sword.
0: Looks great. Really. Can't say enough nice things about its appearance. Um, you told me it could slice through anything. <laughs> I Maybe there was some fine print in that. Uh, but did you just sell me the steamroller slicing version? <laughs> did you keep the receipt for this sword, Steve? I don't want to talk too much shit about Dragon Fang. Really, it does seem like a cool sword. I like its name. I like its origin. I like that Steve just had it lying around. I wish we had seen it slice
1: through a few more things before it started failing to slice through things. Mm -hmm. Again, somebody gives me a magic sword. I cut a steamroller in half. It's going to take me a while before I realize it's a dud when it comes to actual combat. Okay, that's a good point. Val
0: has a lot to learn about quitting teams. She's bad at it. She's really bad at it. Mm -hmm. I think this is like the third time when she said she was quitting, but unlike the rest of the Defenders, it's not like she quits the team And then storms off and comes back the next issue. Mm -hmm. She just says she's going to quit the team and then just keeps going on adventures with them. Things just keep happening. Yeah, but they're going to keep happening. That's what a super team is.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad she's not off the team, but she's got to take some Namor lessons. Mm -hmm. I'm now picturing maybe it's because there was a Pygmalion reference in this already, but Namor doing a My Fair Lady on Valkyrie. What's a My Fair Lady? I keep forgetting that you don't know musicals like I know musicals. I I do not find them pleasant. I'm sorry. So My Fair Lady is... The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. He teaches a lady to not be cockney and to be a proper British lady to pass her off to win a contest. Okay. Um, It's Henry Higgins, and he trains Eliza Doolittle. And I like the idea of Namor playing the Henry Higgins role and being like, no, 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 this is how you behave. When one quits a team, Mm. one does not give two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. One yells, Imperious Rex! And threatens the life of one's teammates and then flies away. Mm. What if I want to come back the next issue? Oh, that's fine, just do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mostly I think it would
0: just be him telling her to flex more and yell Imperious Rex. In, In song, though. I mean, he could do it in song. Don't don't get me wrong. Namor, much like yourself, mm. has the voice of an angel. Oh, it's nice to know yeah. we've got something in common. Well, and for those of you who are listening at home, Corey is wearing a green speedo right now, as it, always. It's hot. <laughs> if it feels good, do it.
1: What do you think of this portrayal of Magneto? Um, I haven't read you know older comics with him featured in recent memory Mm -hmm. and so i have in my head the kind of x-men franchise movie version which is
0: a lot closer to the version that appeared in comics really throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s i really like this guy better i like a straightforward why am i doing this it's because i'm evil There's no nuance, there's no I'm noble and I have good intentions and we just have a philosophical difference with the heroes of what the best way to achieve the greater good is. No, I'm a
1: villain, a supervillain. Powerful as shit. Yep. I got a dope uniform. Uh Uh-huh. It's colorful. Yep. And I'm just gonna mess your... Stuff up, guys. There's something very different about his portrayal, too, in that I think he maybe
0: even seems a little bit less all powerful when he flies like Superman. Mm. Like, there's something just more ominous, like mastermind above it all, levitating around in a bubble and slowly lowering yourself into situations rather than two fists in front of you, flying around through the earth, through the earth, through space, through. Whatever. God does whatever he wants. Yeah, he does whatever he wants,
1: unless the Avengers jam him in a goddamn snow globe. And he's super dramatic. I feel like every panel where he's saying something, he's got one hand out in front. Like in uh-huh. one hand behind, like he's casting a spell or like singing or like, in a musical.
0: You, you know you know who else did that? Mm. Matlock. Really? If you watch Matlock cross-examining somebody on the show Matlock, he always has his hands out in front of him. It's like, and then you walked up the stairs, didn't you? And like with everything, he like waggles his
1: fingers and enunciates like he's trying to cast a spell on them. I haven't seen that show since it was like on... Actual TV in the eighties. I got to tell you something about it, Corey. Mm. It's
0: fucking terrible. Is it? It's really bad. It used to be on here after Perry Mason at like one in the afternoon. That was a good show, Perry Mason. Perry Perry Mason is awesome. Yeah. Perry Mason is the shit. Matlock is no Perry Mason, Mm. even when even in the later years when they brought Don Knotts on. Mm. It's a shame. I wanted to like the show in the same way I liked Perry Mason, but it's not good. Oh. Okay, good to know. You just saved me valuable time. I did. Otherwise you would have watched would have, fifty episodes would have gone of straight Matt
1: home Locked. and streamed. Just
0: waiting for it to get good. Seasons
1: one through ten yeah,
0: of it, Matlock. It's unfortunate. What are we talking about? Magneto. Magneto. Yeah, he's not Matlock. A Matlock. Matt Matlock. <laughs> o <Matlock-o. laughs> You know who loves Magneto? Senior
1: Citizens. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: No, they love Matlock. See you're mixing them up. Oh shit. You know who loves Magneto mm. is former Trailblazer Rasheed Wallace. Oh, really? Yeah. There was an interview when he was playing with the Detroit Pistons. They were doing one of these get to know your players bits for playing on their jumbotron. He has asked what his favorite comic book character is, and he goes really emphatically with a big grin, Magneto. <laughs> and I think there and there's a pause, and I think the person off camera was saying, "Who's Magneto?" Because then he goes, "He's the
1: master of magnetism."
0: <laughs> And it's awesome, and I love Rasheed Wallace.
1: Yeah, he's all right.
0: Uh-huh. And I also love Silver Age and Bronze Age, and Early Bronze Age Magneto, who is just an amazing straight-up villain who has ridiculous magnetism, bullshit powers. Not that dissimilar from the Disruptor's powers. hmm Also, Professor X seems to have similar things. Yep. How do you think he got to that cave? Professor X? Yeah. Like he met them there. He doesn't seem to have a plane around. He's in a wheelchair. I didn't really Remote
1: think that one. Mountain tops
0: are not true. generally handicapped accessible. The whole team
1: is off. The X Men are off fighting.
0: Yeah, they're off on a quote secret mission unquote, which is bullshit.
1: So do they? Maybe they've got like a. Do you think they and just dropped
0: f- him off on their way somewhere else, or they have a chauffeur? <laughs> chauffeur, they show? have a shofar. They have a magical ram's horn. <laughs> they blow into the shofar, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and then it teleports him to a mountaintop. Yeah. Okay.
1: Guy with a little uniform
0: comes by, <laughs> drops him off. Fair enough. Yeah, it just seemed weird to me. Like, and why not have the defenders stop by and pick him up and take him to the place that they're going? I love how Holt gets around. He
1: just jumps everywhere. <laughs> uh huh. It gets there right on time. He's a very powerful jumper. Mm -hmm. I love the Hulk in this issue. He's really warmed up to Dr. S. He
0: has had a full attitude change. And I like it. I'm glad that he's happier. I'm glad that he's happier being part of the team for his sake because he's part of the team.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of miss the old Hulk. I kind of miss him saying stupid magician. I read it twice, because when when Doctor Strange's psychic projection shows up, Hulk says, oh, it's magician. I was like, wait a minute. Does he mean stupid magician? Yeah. Is it a different magician? Nope. Is that still Steve Strange?
0: Yep. Yeah. I kind of miss the friendly antagonism. I guess it wasn't super friendly from the Hulk's part. He was pretty frustrated with the situation. But it is absolutely a
1: 180 degree change in his attitude. It is weird, though, because strange still has the same m o which is like show up out of nowhere, insult a Hulk, and then tell him to come on a mission, yeah, but this time he did say like my friend,' which I think that goes a long yeah. way to and it
0: would have been so easy for him to have done that from the mm-hmm. okay, Steve, instead of saying
1: behemoth, you're too stupid to understand this, but you need to come with me, my <laughs> friend, same. yeah, oh, oh okay, good, yeah, it's like when a little kid first
0: learns, please, hmm. And then you you hear them be like, I want that right now, you idiot, please. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no. Like, I said please. Yeah. Yeah. Loses meaning. Yeah. Indeed it does. But not with the Hulk. Nope. That kind of shit would still work. Mm -hmm. The (laughs) other thing that the Hulk did, which absolutely delighted me, is when the first monster shows up, before we find out that it's an illusion Mm -hmm. that the Mastermind is making, Mm -hmm. they're going into the dark cave, Steve is using the orb of Agamotto as a flashlight again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, fucking... Nighthawk probably has a flashlight. They could just use an actual flashlight. He's a former supervillain burglar. He operates chiefly at night, and he's got a ton of gadgets. He's probably got a flashlight. Mm -hmm. But Steve's using the eye of Agamotto. Sure. And there is a giant hand comes out of nowhere. And everybody's like, what is that? We can only see the hand. Presumably they can see the whole monster, mm-hmm. but they all say, what is that? And the Hulk says, it's a giant hand. Yeah, he has
1: the answer. He's <laughs> yeah. he prepared. Such a wonderful literalist. Is giant hand. Yeah. Or is big hand.
0: Okay. Nighthawk says, what? And the Hulk says, it is big hand. Mm-hmm. It sure is, Hulk. Yep, that tickled me. sure is. And then Hulk tries to smash it, but he can't because it's an illusion. Val tries to cut it, but she can't because it's an illusion. Bloody bloody
1: blah So we've learned two things about illusions. hmm You can use them. And you can use them, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't cut them. Okay. And you can't smash them. No. Got it. Not in the cold November rain. <laughs> no, especially not not then.
0: There, we were talking earlier about how evil Magneto is back in the 60s and 70s. hmm One way that he illustrates that... Which I really found charming is when he's using his create a monster lab that he found in a magic cave. Mm -hmm. I mean, mostly he found the library, but it had like lab building instructions, I guess, in it. Mm -hmm. Yep. But that's happening. And there is a very bright light. And Steve says, don't look at the bright light or you'll be blinded. Because presumably these grown men that he is hanging out with do not know the way that light works. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Steve. Sure. But... Magneto's like, no, look directly at the bright light. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, he's a bad guy yeah, through and through. That's a that's some good evil shit. I don't even care about your eyes. Stare directly at the eclipse. Do it. You don't need these protective lenses. How often the does e- it happen? Look at the eclipse, fools. Mm. <laughs> Are you excited about the eclipse?
1: No. No, not at all? I am excited about the idea of it and that yeah. it's this cool thing that happens. Yeah. But in order to get to a place where you can see it well... Somebody posted an article about this being one of the potentially worst traffic events in Oregon history. Hmm. Because everybody's going to try and drive out to the coast. Yeah,
0: I think you're still going to be able to see it like
1: 85% in town. If I can see it from home, I'm I'm excited about it for sure. If I have to drive in terrible traffic to see it, I'm less excited. So here's my plan. Okay. I'm going to go to try to find...
0: Like, the most remote town that I can. If there is a town in Oregon that is largely untouched by civilization, I want to try to find that place where they don't have the internet. Mm. I'm going to convince them I'm a wizard. How? I just blocked out the sun, motherfucker. Oh, I see. Then I get to rule them. Mm. Pull a straight up Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's mm. Court. Mm. It's going I, to be rad. I don't understand that. Is that another musical reference? No, it's a reference to a Mark Twain book.
1: Oh. I like that stuff better than right. I like musicals. Fair enough. Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Very good. Hmm. It's a Mark Twain time travel book. Far out, man.
0: Yeah. Cool. So you want in on this plan? Co-wizards. Co-wizards? Yeah, man. 50-50? 50-50 wizards down right. the middle. Deal. All
1: yeah. right. Yeah, fuck the sun. You want it back?
0: <laughs> yeah. Be cool, guys. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> We're now your town's co-wizards never heard of co-wizards before
1: ah man there checks. To... hicks hey rube <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't even seen a giant fat man before <laughs> god with
0: intentional shorts <laughs> bunch of rubes such rubes mm. real bunch of rustic rubens
1: mm-hmm.
0: well anything else you want to talk about before we get on to the minutiae
1: i think we're ready to jump on in all right we got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia, like Corey eating farts.
0: We got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff.
1: Thanks, Rick. So, what do you feel like starting with? Well, as the listeners may or may not know, depending on how you choose to edit this, you were just singing a beautiful song. It was a rendition of what Lorelai used. It was Lorelai's cover of Cold Rick's. November Rain. <laughs>
0: No, it was Lorelai's cover of Rick's minutia song, Rick Hansen's minutia song, which graces our podcast each and every
1: week. Uh, Rick, uh, Hub, did you proud? Anywho, let's segue that into sounds. Okay, sound effects. What was your favorite sound effect? There
0: were a lot of fun sounds in this book. There were some really fun sounds. I narrowed mine down to two, and they are both from a similar event and location in the comic book. Is one of them a futism? It could be. It's that could actually be a fudism of the word fud. I I also had that. Uh, so the Hulk tries to punch the blob, and it makes the noise <laughs> 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 fud. Fud. <laughs> it's really fun. I liked that a lot. As did I. And my my other favorite was the blob's retaliation when he punches the Hulk back and it makes the noise that morris day makes <laughs> when oh, he sees prince as the kid mm-hmm. and asks him how his family is mm-hmm. kind of it's mm-hmm. not quite that noise but it's close it's the first syllable bock <laughs> whereas i guess the true sound effect if it was a morris day noise would be bah mm-hmm. yeah yeah more of a two syllable yeah and it's a baha, not a bawok. Still, uh, though. But still. Nice work. Hey, kid, Good how's job. the family?
1: And right after... Hey, kid, the, how's the family? And, <laughs> and the family wasn't well. Morris Day was being a real... No, dick. no, no, no,
0: no, no. Yeah, although I still say he was the protagonist of that film. How do you... Don't we, you take... we can get into this later, but Prince is a real piece of shit in that movie.
1: Oh, I haven't seen it
0: for a while. You should watch it again and try to bear in mind that you're supposed to root for Prince's character. Because mm-hmm. he's an asshole, and Morris Day... Is an asshole in that instance and maybe a couple of others. But overall, he's pretty charming. All right. Way to go Morris Day. Yeah. And the time. Yeah. And I
1: like his performances better. Mm-hmm. He's got a good dance. Ah, oh, he's got so many good dances. hmm I'm thinking of the side to side. Yeah, now. you're thinking of the oh
0: wee Yeah.
1: That's a great dance. Yeah. So my winning sound effect... Yes? ...was a co-sound effect. Oh. Yeah. Is it Lorelei? <laughs> it is a combination of Lorelei and uh, Nighthawk as his... Semi-conscious <laughs> body is launched into her, and she's in the middle of singing her song. Sure, but then when he bumps into her, she goes oof. So, but but then it also makes a noise at the same time. So there's okay. like a bunch of stuff happening. Water. So.
0: Walk oh. us through it, man. Okay, okay. So you're just you you start being Lorelai.
1: Okay. Ooh, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> it's an action-packed man like, sound effect.
0: Yeah. That is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Good call. Thank you. I'm still sticking with... <laughs> <laughs> not FUD. FUD's fun, but... <laughs> That's where my heart is. Okay. We got a lot to talk about in this one. Let's get it out of the way. Sartorially speaking. Oh, man.
1: So Bad okay. guy costumes.
0: Bad guy costumes. And a new good guy costume, too. Yeah. You're not crazy
1: about Nighthawk's costume. I like his fire shirt. Uh, not fire shirt. Um, bird... Jetpack? No. The... <laughs> I do, I do say things real goofy sometimes, but I've never called... That's, that's taking it a step far.
0: A jetpack could
1: be called a fire by, shirt. By, okay, here's why my brain just did that. Okay. So the logo on his shirt looks like the... Pontiac Firebird? Yes. Okay. Got
0: it. Thanks. So it's his Firebird shirt. I like that. I like that he still has weird little wings for a cape, kind of, that have a jetpack hidden under them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would like the costume a lot if it wasn't a replacement for the old costume, which was super ridiculous, which I love. It's, still- a, it's a fine costume. It's got weird little bird feathers around his eyeballs like he's attending a high-class Masquerade. millionaire sex party.
1: <laughs> oh, eyes wide shut kind yeah. of mask.
0: So mm. he's got one of those that's made out of yellow feathers. That That's nice. Show up at one of
1: those with a jetpack and a fire shirt. You'll be doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I, I guess that's fair. It, it's honestly, like I said, it's a cool outfit. I'd like it a lot better if it wasn't
1: replacing his old outfit, which had a fucking beak. Mm-hmm. He needs a beak. And the design that went down the arms and turned into gloves. Yeah,
0: that was really cool. And
1: mm-hmm. really stupid. Magneto's got a fucking classic Magneto outfit on. I think
0: we're all familiar with it, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. But it is such a good costume.
1: I actually picked that one as my favorite because yeah. I didn't realize his color scheme. Oh, you didn't realize it was purple and red? No. I mean, I may have and just forgotten. It's but so good. Yeah, it is a good look, and it's like such... Flamboyant's not the right word, but they're really, like, bright. Like, they yeah. just, like, are almost kind of happy it, it's, colors. It's both, I think, regal and
0: evil. R-evil. We don't need to make portmanteaus of every word, Corey. We might. We're busy. Okay, okay. <laughs> I liked <Unis's>, uh <laughs> full-body red turtleneck that cannot be touched. <laughs> yeah, no, don't touch that. Um, uh, Unus. We have the mastermind wearing a weird, like, dialyzed Quasimodo outfit. Mm. It's got, like, shoulder pads. It's, it's a weird look. Bad monk. Spanish Inquisition. Let's say a monk decided that he was a nobleman one day mm. and had a sewing machine but no new material. Oh. Like, if he tried to make like a viscount outfit out of his monk robes. Mm. I think that's what the mastermind ends up with. And he doesn't have any formal training as a tailor. No, but you know what he does have? A mastery of illusions. So he could look like whatever, man. You know what I would do mm. if I was the mastermind?
1: What would you do? I would
0: use an illusion to make it look like I had a uniform exactly like Magneto's. Uh, <laughs> I bet Magneto would get so pissed. That would be dangerous. Yeah. Magneto would hurt you. Yeah, it'd be worth it, though.
1: Maybe so. It's a really good outfit.
0: Yeah. Also, Lorelei has crazy hair and weird eyes. Yeah, she has pupilless eyes, which maybe it's a Savage Land thing. I don't fucking know. But she's also got, like, Gary Oldman Dracula. Like, he's got those buns on his head. It's like if he oh, had those, yeah. but then also it was just really long hair. So it's almost like a double beehive on top of her head, but that is then just flowing down. It's very big hair. It's very big hair that is kind of humped into a butt on top of her head.
1: Humped into a butt on top of her head. Yeah. Okay, I got you. You see what I mean? I do. It took a minute, but I got
0: got your... She's got two big haystacks of hair Mm -hmm. that are kind of a butt shape, but -hmm. then it's long hair. Sure. It's a weird look. Yeah. And the blob has his... Intentional, intentional shorts. shorts.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and sartorially speaking, that's what we got. Indeed, we mm-hmm. do. Hmm. Which character in this comic book, Corey, just had to be a sucker? Now, by that, I mean acting like the fat boys in the film Crush Groove, behaving in a manner that furthers the plot, but goes
1: against their previously established character. Who you got? Well... This one satisfies only part of those requirements okay. in that it's a character acting in a way that I thought was very much out of character, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really do anything to drive the story forward. Okay, what is it? And we touched on this already. Okay. And it's when um, Nighthawk uh, makes his pool table joke, but Doctor Strange actually apologizes <laughs> for not having one. Huh. Yeah. What I would have expected him was just like, you ignorant fool, I've just explained to you the coolest shit in the world that I have. And instead he's like, oh... I apologize, I don't have a pool table. (laughs) I guess you're right. I was just more
0: focused on Doctor Strange not getting the joke, which is totally in character, but you're right. His reaction to not getting the joke is kind of strange.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's a little bit insecure and he's showing off for the new team member. Uh And the guy's like, do you have a pool table? And mentally he's just like, fuck, fuck. Have to get a pool table. I should have gotten a pool table.
0: There's another rich white dude on the team now.
1: And I don't have a pool table. God damn it! Shit! <laughs> Shit!
0: I will purchase a pool t- table.
1: So swears Doctor Strange. <laughs> yep. I, in fact, I'm surprised he wasn't like, "Yes, I do." It's just not right here now. At it's the a
0: mystical pool table that you probably can't see. Much like you can't see Professor X. <laughs> Maybe I'll see it later. It is weird that nobody else
1: could see Professor X when he first showed up. I just thought Steve was doing his thing though, like, like, like Professor X was talking. talking to, him. <laughs> yeah just like, ah, people are talking. I'll just start my own conversation.
0: There's somebody else with old money. I'll just talk to him.
1: Hmm.
0: Professor X, how's it going? Oh, he's actually talking to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who did you have for uh, Sucka?
0: For my sucker, I had Professor X. Oh. I just said his name weird. It sounded like he's... uh, He's tougher.
1: Yeah. Professor X. Like in a (laughs) hip-hop.
0: No, I had Professor X because he has a team that has a lot of experience fighting Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It seems weird to me that he contacted the Defenders. Not only did he not contact the Avengers first, but like I said, he's got the X-Men. Now, he said that they were off on a secret mission, but then it said, check this out in issue 23 of Marvel Team-Up. Marvel Team-Up, they're not on a secret mission. It's Iceman is teaming up with the human torch and they're fighting a dude, but like, he's got the whole rest of his team Mm. that I think they might just be fighting with him. And I think that might be another thing of just like him being bad with people is he doesn't want to admit to strangers that like, yeah, the rest of the X-Men decided that I'm a jerk. Mm -hmm. So, um, will you guys help me out? He's like, they're on a secret mission. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. It's too big a secret.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that that was the main reason I had uh, Professor X for my gotta-be-a-sucker moment. Okay, what were your favorite words in the issue? I
1: have two choices, one of which we actually already touched on. Is yeah. it, it is big hand? Yeah. Just... It is big hand is a goddamn delight. It is big hand. Hulk, page 12. And the other one was when the mastermind yells at Doctor Strange and calls him a sanctimonious fool. No, oh, that's pretty good. And it's like, oh man, you had that coming. Yeah, really nailed it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, pretty good. Yeah, because not only is he sanctimonious, but he is kind of a fool in this issue. I had Professor X reacting to Magneto's story about finding the magic cave after the Avengers jammed him into a snow globe and he escaped from it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Dude, the Avengers need to stop jamming people into, into snow globes. It doesn't work. Bad track record. They escape. It happens with alarming regularity. But after Magneto finishes his story, Professor X's reaction to it is... A fascinating story, Magneto. But for all your explanation, you have still told us nothing. And that is so true. That's a good point. And he's like, What secret did you learn in the cavern? And what is that sleeper behind you? Mm. Da, dun, da. I think it's the giant head in a jar from fucking Power Rangers. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I, I'm familiar with the franchise. Their friend's I a giant head who I guess lives in a giant space jar or oh, something. Space jar. Maybe not a jar. It's like a cylinder, I think. He tells him to do stuff. Yeah, anyway, that was my favorite words. Was Professor X calling out Magneto on having told them a long story that didn't explain jack shit. That's true. Yeah. Good call. So that's a nice workaround, Len Wein. Also, you could have had Magneto tell us a story that said shit. Mm -hmm. But seeing as you didn't, yeah, at least have him get called out on it. Yep. What was your favorite panel?
1: Ooh. It's a toss-up. I have to go between... Cool graphic action and action hilarity. I had an action hilarity. What was your action hilarity? It was page 31, and I called it Nighthawk Missile. Okay, that was pretty funny, too.
0: I had a different uh, action hilarity. Mine was Robo Judo Chop. <laughs> oh, that was good, too. <laughs> okay, so what did you Yeah, what did you name the funny one? Nighthawk Missile. Nighthawk Missile into Lorelei. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep. Very good panel. Very funny. Mm-hmm. Professor X triggers his jetpack and basically, yeah, uses him as a human missile. Launches him into Lorelei.
1: Interrupting her beautiful song. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, that was pretty good. What was your other one? The other one was page 16, which I titled Magneto Escapes. Hmm. And he's, it's, I it's think it's him he's busting, busting out of the snow globe. Mm-hmm. And man, is he fucking that snow globe up. Yeah, the shards of it are flying at us, the reader. Mm-hmm. It's really cool looking. And he's in the middle of the earth, so it's all red and orange and yellow. Mhm. Mhm. Pretty dynamic. Pretty great. Yeah, mine is also on page 16,
0: but it is Magneto having his flashback of getting defeated by the Avengers. And <laughs> the Vision is just sneaking up behind him and judo chopping the back of his neck and it's making a clud noise. And the way Magneto is really angrily falling forward. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that panel cracked me up. That was my favorite panel. So, in this issue, who was the best
1: defender and who was the worst offender? Let's start with worst offender. There wasn't for me like a really strong front runner in either category, but I, I feel like there was enough stuff to choose from. And in this one, I chose as the worst offender Nighthawk because he doesn't do much that's really too actionable like his his biggest victory is when he is basically unconscious and a battering best. ram yeah used as a human battering ram I don't like that he always calls uh Valkyrie pretty lady yeah that's but I mean that's also this is from 1974 so right and wasn't... it's better than what you know Clint was calling her yep he's no
0: Hawkeye yeah although they are trying to I think establish him as a slightly Hawkeye character
1: yeah and and so that I I didn't really like. What did you think of his
0: interactions with Pennyworth?
1: Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. So first of all, what the fuck is a boy tycoon? Does that mean that (laughs) he's very young when he started a lot of successful businesses? Or
0: did he make his money selling boys?
1: Yeah, creepy as shit. Because he's a boy.
0: No, he's, yeah. I get it. And I think it can be kind of like one of the podcasts that I listened to, Jordan Jesse Go. It's Mm. the first podcast I ever listened to. You know what? Shout out to Jordan Go. It's a really charming, fun podcast. But one of them, his nickname is Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. Mm. And I think that's fine. But Boy Tycoon, I don't think, is an established phrase.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, it, it sounds off and creepy
1: for him, to. I think he's probably about 30. Yep. He's not a boy. He's a grown-up. He's very rich. And I appreciate that he wants to help Valkyrie find a new right. home for, for mm-hmm. the flying horse. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know, man. It's like, I guess if I had gazillions of dollars, I would throw money at most problems also. But yeah, so who's Pennyworth and why does he have
0: that name? Well, I think he has that name at least in part because Nighthawk was originally conceived as a knockoff of Batman and Alfred Pennyworth is Batman's butler. Curious. I think that's an intentional connection. It might just be a coincidence. But yeah, Pennyworth is his like right hand man who just handles all of his business affairs and seems pretty exasperated with Kyle. Mm-hmm. Perhaps continuously.
1: He handles the request to find a
0: a ox. private writing academy that is in a remote uh, location. For one Pegasus. For, he doesn't say it's for a Pegasus. Still, it's a weird request. It is kind of a weird request, but you do get the impression he gets a lot of weird requests from Nighthawk. Yep. Yeah, no, he handles it with a Like but... I need seven bird beaks by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to be durable, fighting bird beaks. <laughs> He's like, yep,
1: okay, no problem. All
0: right, all right, and you need some fire shirts and some uh, some sure. sex
1: party masks? <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Yep. Fucking rich people. <laughs> the days before Amazon, too, so that guy had to make some phone calls mm-hmm. to get shit done. Yeah, I feel bad for that, dude. Good on you, Pennyworth. I think that is a valid choice.
0: I liked that he was helping Valkyrie a little bit more than that. I think maybe I appreciated the fact that he had a a jetpack to be used as a battering ram and it did come in handy, but I, I think that's a valid argument that you make. Uh, I chose Doctor Strange. First for not having a sense of humor, which is well established, but mostly for the way that he fought Mastermind, mm. which was my backup for gotta be a sucker moment. Mm. Because He knows that the dude is fighting him using illusions, but every time the dude makes an illusory monster, he reacts as though, oh no, a monster. He summoned a monster. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. it's probably just an illusion, but I can't take that chance. You know what? Yes, you can take that chance. You know the people that you're fighting. You know what their capabilities are. You know that monster summoning is not one of them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Perhaps an argument could be made that well, Magneto seems to be able to do pretty much everything else with magnetism, so maybe monster summoning is a magnetism subset skill. But I think he could safely say, these are not actual monsters. I can
1: probably behave as though
0: they are illusions.
1: I wonder, though, how it works. Like, if it's like when they were having their battles with the... I forget the guy's name. Let's call him the the Wizard of Weed, the the Jamaican... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Essentially, that was like the power of belief and his conjuring right lent strength to it. If But would Mastermind, if you're just like, I don't believe that illusion, can it still cross you to death?
0: I don't think it can.
1: Oh. Yeah, Doctor Strange was like, I just have to keep shooting energy at it till I become exhausted. Right. This sucks. And, yeah. And it's like, well, I'll make a bunch of me's. Ha ha. Mm.
0: Yeah. And so that worked out well. but But just like as a fighting tactic, it was like. He specifically says, I know these are probably just illusions, but I can't take
1: that chance. Mm. Yes, you can. It took him a minute to figure out to fight yeah. an illusion with an yeah. illusion. Use he your illusion. <laughs> Two. Exactly. It were. Oh, boy. So, conversely, who was the best defender? You may not like this, but I chose the lovable, heartwarming, Goodwood people, Professor X. Corey. Yes. So did I. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, why did you choose Professor X?
1: Well, he just really set the whole thing in motion, and he got shit done, and he was the one who, though it's a common thing that I think we're both a little annoyed with, used this, if we all do the same thing at the same time, we can escape this dire situation. That was a combination of the two things that I don't like, which
0: is bullshit nonsense power combined with everybody work together. But, yeah, the idea that Well, mental energy, what is it if not electrical energy? So Mm. if they all focus, then I guess he's got lightning powers and that can fuck up magnets. Yeah, magnets hate lightning. It's true. (laughs) You know, electromagnets, that's a thing. Yeah, so he was able to use that bullshit power real, real good. Mm Mm-hmm. Reach out and flick the switch on Nighthawk's jetpack. Also, send him battering into Lorelei.
1: (laughs) Who makes a jetpack with just, like, a button that anybody can hit? Like, if your friends are going to fuck with you... I'll tell you who. (laughs) Pennyworth. (laughs) Oh, it's the little things. Yep,
0: yep. You get your revenge where you can. (laughs) I'll just put this button here. Indeed. What could go wrong? So, this week on Long Time No See... What do you think Wong was
1: doing when he was not featured in this book in September of 1974? Well, it was funny earlier that we touched upon the, the dynamic between uh, employee and employer, especially with... Pennyworth. Penny, like entitled yes, people. And yes. so there's definitely that going on between Dr. S and, and Wong. Mm-hmm. And it is these, these little things that sometimes make you feel like You've got some power, you've got some leverage in this in this otherwise lopsided relationship. So Wong, turns out, is a big fan of uh, news radio, talk radio, uh, getting, oh. getting information any way he can, really. sure. He's, you know, he's a science buff. We've discussed that before. Sure. But, science buff, information junkie. Exactly. wants to learn about magic, wants to know about kung fu, wants to know about science. Exactly. And it, he was up late one night listening to the science radio shows he likes, and got the disturbing news that came out right right around this time, September of 1974, that it was the Freon in aerosolized containers that was wreaking havoc with the with the ozone layer oh dear yeah and that they, so, they knew about that that early yep that's when that's when it was oh first basically the news broke and you know he's he's an avid environmentalist we, mm-hmm. we talked about his love of uh, cephalopods etc sure. so you may also wonder why does dr strange have a perfect coiffure all the time pretty, i have often wondered pretty that. fancy hair yeah and it turns out the answer to that is super extra hold aquanet Oh! Corey, you had some adventures with Super Extra Hold Aquanet, didn't you? That stuff works, man. <laughs> I remember
0: between you and our sister Meg, in the late 80s, early 90s, walking through the bathroom was just a haze of stickiness. If you had lit a match,
1: the whole house would have gone uh, up like a Roman, Roman candle. candle. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, pretty similar to Doctor Strange's bathroom. um you know and Wong among his many duties has to clean up after the guy which kind of sucks and so a he's like oh god that's tough b it's killing the environment sure so he just takes the whole the whole mess of it and disposes of it and the next morning dr strange is like "Wong, have you seen my awkward super extra hold (laughs) and he's like oh um you know we've replaced that sir with uh this you know this natural uh hempen product which you can use and uh, and Doctor Strange just loses his shit, and then they have a bit of a argument about it. So that was uh, that was what Wong was wow up to. It's unfortunate that Doctor
0: Strange was so upset with Wong because Wong was doing a lot for Doctor Strange at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that Wong was doing, and it comes up in later issues, is Wong is an excellent chef. Oh yeah, he he is always cooking these elaborate feasts for Doctor Strange, which Doctor Strange likes. I don't think he fully appreciates them, but... He's not a foodie. He... yeah. I mean, he's becoming one through Wong's influence. But Doctor Strange is always bopping around the universe. He's always fighting fucking Cthulhu monsters. Every time he fights a Cthulhu monster, he's like, Wong, do you know what I'm in the mood for? Fighting that Cthulhu monster? I'm... in the mood for some eels and brown sauce oh yeah because it reminds him of cthulhu okay and so wong's like okay shit i guess i gotta go to england and get that get those eels and the brown sauce like doc doc s is always yammering about Mm. not my personal favorite but could be worse i mean at least i don't have to cook up any cephalopods for the dude right um which you know one would expect from the cthulhu shit Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah calamari so wong has to get to England because that's the only place you can really get the ingredients, but he's been spent, so his mystical teleportation powers are not really up to snuff right now. So he decides to hitch a ride. He's seen the uh <laughs> he wait. he's seen the X-Men uh-huh. flying around in their special conveyance. You know what that is? It's a Blackbird. SR71. Uh-huh. That's a fast and so thing. he was like, oh yeah, that seems pretty quick. I'm gonna hop on one of those. Mm-hmm. i can use my my powers for that still sneaks on board and it's just like oh shit we're running behind schedule so he uh, gives a little zazz mm-hmm. little zing a little zinc to boost. the pilot gooses him a little bit mm-hmm. that pilot makes the run from new york to london and how long one hour and 54 minutes a record that stands to this date that is dr strange got those eels in brown sauce damn Wong was able to teleport himself home once he got to England, because England has like all these magic shops everywhere. Probably swung by Diagon Alley. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? But, yes, uh, on September 1st of 1974, Wong hitched a ride in a Blackbird that set the record for traveling from New York to London. That's All because Doctor Strange had a hankering for some Cthulhu-esque food. Dang. Mm Mm-hmm. And that... Is when Wong's time in Wong Time No See. Uh, yep. Well, thank you for listening, dear listeners. You seem nice. Indeed. You are nice. And thank you. Uh, We had talked previously about whether we were going to cover the Giant Size Defenders uh, for this podcast. And I've thought about it, and I do want to cover the Giant Size Defenders, but I need a little bit of time and a little bit of resources to do that. So I'm going to set a Patreon goal. It's going to be a low one where I do have to buy the comic books for it, and it's going to take us longer to record. Um, I'm going to set it as a Patreon goal, but uh, it's one that I, I will set at a low level, so it will be very doable, and if that goal is reached... Then we will cover every Giant Size Defenders issue, every Defenders annual, and every New Teen Titans annual. So you'll be getting some bang for your Patreon buck. And the Giant Size Defenders stuff is pretty cool, so that will be coming up, just not quite yet. So, if you would like to help actualize that goal, you can do so by sending us a donation at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland If you'd like to get in touch with me about anything, you can reach me at email at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find me on Tumblr at ttwasteland underscore. And we're on Facebook. Uh, If you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, I would certainly appreciate that. We've gotten some really nice ones lately, and they help people find the show, which is a nice thing for them to do. Yeah, that's all I got. How about you?
1: Thanks, everybody. Ooh.
0: You want to do a duet? Ooh. We're going to take the dog park. And they knew it.
1: you have to stop. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Thanks, Rick. hmm